Right, good morning. I'm going to be reading to you from the Word of God this morning, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So we are doing a summer series on the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, we have this series laid out just as it is in Scripture, and then summer happens, travel schedules, knee replacements, and, and everything's over. So we're not following in order. You can open uh, in your Bibles, hold your place in 2 Timothy. You can flip ahead if you would like, or flip back to Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit, as we've been talking about, it's not fruits, as in it's a fruit salad of a bunch of different things. It's fruit. It's the character of Christ. But to help us understand it, the Bible gives it to us with different terms, and it uses the analogy of these are fruit. These are character traits of, the char- of um, Jesus Christ, what we are to look like. Today, we're talking about faithfulness, faithfulness. And I, it's hard to think of a better song to sing than what we just did, because God's love never fails. We can always count on him. He is faithful. He is our example, and he is the one who empowers us to be faithful. So fruit is singular. It's described with nine traits in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Talking about walking in the Spirit, we've already talked about that uh, a few weeks back, but it lists the fruit like this. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, faithfulness is not one of the flashy traits. Faithfulness is not one of the flashy fruit. You know, if the fruit of the Spirit went to a party together, bear with me on this, love would be the one dancing on the table that would be getting all the attention, and then faithfulness and probably patience and self-control would be the wallflowers kind of just standing around like this. They don't get a whole lot of attention, but they are essential for us to remember. The noted Bible scholar, uh, New Testament teacher, and all-around good guy, Opie Rahul, put it this way, starting off our series. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is loyalty and trustworthiness. Loyalty and trustworthiness. Faithfulness is plodding along and not giving up. Faithfulness is not really all that exciting. You're not going to see a whole lot of Insta shots of this is faithfulness in action. It's not flashy. But it's loyal and it's trustworthy. Faithfulness is about consistency. It's about keeping promises over the long haul. Faithfulness is all weather, no matter what the conditions are. Faithfulness requires grit, persevering when it's not fun, 
and even when the reward may not be obvious. Faithfulness is a stick-to-itness. Doing your job when no one else notices. Faithfulness isn't flashy, but it is also the bedrock foundation for a strong marriage, for good parenting, for doing your job well, for leadership. Faithfulness is one of those bedrock traits that if you want to last and do well in whatever you do, you got to have faithfulness. And you know, faithfulness is essential to our mission to make disciples. And that's the passage that Steve read from, and that's where we're going to focus on today. Faithfulness is essential to our mission. Now, just to take it so it's not a churchy term, we define discipleship as taking another step towards knowing, loving, and following Christ more deeply. And that's something we can all do. All of us can take another step towards Christ. We want to know him better. That uses our mind. We want to love him more. That's our heart. That's our affections being tuned to him. And then we want to follow him. That requires our hands and our feet. That's doing something about what we're talking about. And so for us to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it means we're living in such a way that we're always taking another step towards him. Therefore, making disciples, which is our mission, is helping others along in their journey. So if we want to know Christ better so that we can help others know him better, we want to love Christ so people look at us and say, wow, I want the same God that he's following. We want to follow Christ so we have an impact on other people's lives. And faithfulness is essential to it, as we saw in the passage that we just read from 2 Timothy. And the great thing about faithfulness is it's a choice that we can all make. The passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starts like this. You then, my child. Now, 2 Timothy is probably the last letter that Paul wrote. He was in prison, and he was pretty sure he was going to be executed for his faith. And so he had discipled, he had helped Timothy grow in his faith in Christ. And Timothy was now one of the leaders in the church. And Paul is writing this letter to him as as an older man talking to a younger man. Remember the things I've taught you. You, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the essence of discipleship. We want to be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. It's a repeating process that Jesus started when he did the Great Commission. When he said, as you go, make disciples. That's what it's all about. And I love the way Scripture doesn't say, look, Timothy, I want you to find the coolest dude in church. I want you to find the smartest guy in the church. I want you to find the best athlete in the church. He doesn't say anything like that. I want you to look for faithful people. Faithful. And faithfulness is a choice. That's good news for all of us because we can all choose faithfulness. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how athletic you are, how high profile your job is. There's none of that. 
God is not impressed with what's on the outside. He cares most about the heart. You know, in the Old Testament, King David, the greatest of Israel's kings, he was the least likely guy to have been chosen. The least likely. Read it for yourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The sons of Jesse are lined up in front of the prophet Samuel. And Samuel does what each of us would have done in the circumstances. He looks at him and says, this guy is a stud. He's got to be the king. God says, nope, move on. Well, this guy's really smart. He's got, nope, move on. And then he goes through the whole lineup, and it's none of them. And Samuel's probably wondering, am I in the wrong address? Am I in the wrong place? And then he says, Jesse, do you have another son? Oh, yeah, this dude's just, he's the run to the litter. He's kind of, he's out, you know, tending the sheep in the fields. We'll bring him in. And they brought David in. And God said to Samuel, this is the one. And then he also said, God, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And the encouraging thing when you see faithfulness given so much prominence to us is that God says, you can all do this. You are all blessed with differing abilities, differing intelligence, but none of that really matters. What matters is that you choose faithfulness. Faithfulness is essential to our missions. We're called, we're commanded to make disciples. And the foundational attitude to obey God in what he wants us to do and to permeate everything else we do in life is faithfulness. Discipleship has been described as a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. And that's not always easy in a culture that prizes quick results and flashiness and something that's worthy of putting up on social media. The scripture tell us, though, choose faithfulness. Because that is what God can use. And that is what God rewards. Choose faithfulness. He continues, faithfulness is not easy in our culture. So he's going to continue with several challenges that faithfulness faces, but also examples of how we can continue in faithfulness. Verse 3. Share in suffering. Now, that's not going to make any worldview real popular. Share in suffering. Come, follow Christ. Be ready to suffer. But Paul's saying, I'm suffering. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. See, faithfulness is not easy. It's very easy to get distracted. There's a lot of different things we can be doing in this world. And here in Nova, we know it. We're a fast-paced society. You, you know, and it's almost kind of like a, a badge of honor to be, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy. 
that's just in the culture all around us. The first example we have here is the soldier. See, a soldier cannot be distracted. A distracted soldier is bad news for his team, his side. Soldier has to know the mission, what they're called to, and live on purpose. Soldiers don't just get out of bed and decide what they're going to do during the day. Their commanding officer tells them. And really, it's no difference for us as Christians. Our commanding officer is Jesus Christ. And we need to consult with him every morning. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Would you guide me? Would you show me what to do? We are not our own. We were bought with a price. A soldier follows the commanding officer. And our commander is Jesus Christ. And every one of us, to start the day and throughout the day, need to be checking in with him saying, I want to be following you. I want to be doing what you want me to do. You can't but help thinking of wartime when you talk about soldiers. Where I pastored in England was the city of Portsmouth. The community we lived in was inexpensive housing that was built for dock workers who had been bombed out of the city center in World War II. These houses were only expected to last 15 years. That's what they were designed for. Well, 60 years later, people are still living in them. And I always enjoyed talking with the older people in our community and in our church who had lived through World War II. They had heard the bombs whistling as they came down. They had endured rationing with their neighbors. And they said, you know, it was really hard times. But it was also good. Because they said there was a sense of togetherness. Everyone got along. We put aside our petty squabbles. The neighbors that normally we would ignore, we knew that we were together for the cause. When you have a higher cause, that gives you unity. We have the highest cause imaginable to make Jesus Christ known and to help people take the next step towards him. That's something we can rally around. Wartime gives unity, and it helps you to see what's really important. And I think so often in church world, we get distracted or we'll come and say, oh yeah, I'll show up on Sunday and the rest of the week I'm on my own. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is recognizing that every day I belong to Jesus Christ and I do his bidding. I follow him. Whatever God has you doing during the week, whether you're an accountant or a, a student or a stay-at-home mom, whatever it might be, you are following Jesus Christ. You are his representative right there in the office, at the job site, at home. You have a mission. You're a soldier. When you're in a war, you're willing to sacrifice for the greater cause. And that means God calls us to sacrifice for the most important cause. The soldier is an example. Whenever we start getting distracted, when we realize we're far from Christ, we're just doing our own thing, learn from the soldier. Then the Holy Spirit switches gear in the Bible and he says, I want you to learn from the athlete as well. Listen to what it says about the athlete. Verse 5, 
An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You see, one of the challenges is we don't live by the rules. We have the wrong map, the wrong GPS, faulty programming. We have the wrong views shaping the way we think and live. And when you have the wrong map, when you have the wrong thing programmed into your GPS, you're in trouble. About six months ago, I had an appointment, and I plugged the directions into my phone. And I set it on the dashboard, and off I went, and I followed the directions. True story. And I started driving along, and I realized, this doesn't seem like where I'm supposed to be. And I drived until it said, you've hit your destination. And I was literally on a gravel road in the middle of Nowheresville. How did that happen? I plugged in the directions. I put the address in. Well, I realized later on that what I'd done is my hand had brushed against the phone and it had set one of those silly geo pins or whatever they are. And so it gave me directions to where my, my hand had inadvertently hit the phone and it led me astray. God will always give us the correct address when we're reading his word. We need to have the word of God shaping the way we think. The word of God cleanses our mind. It purifies us. God will use his word to direct us. But if we're taking our cues from the culture around us, then we're going to end up just as I did when I hit, inadvertently hit my GPS with my hand. You'll end up in the wrong place places. You know, many Christians know TV shows real well. They can quote the lines backward and forward, but we don't know the scriptures. We ought to. Invest the time in the Word of God. He has given us the rules. He will direct us. You know, in the world of sports, no one just says, I'm going to play basketball, I'm going to wrestle, I'm going to play soccer, whatever it is, and expects to step up onto the winner's podium. That just didn't happen. Natural ability will take you so far, and the victor's podium is not the place it will take you to. The people that step onto the winner's podium are those who practice in any sport, in any activity. Those who practice are the ones that end up doing well. It's no different in the Christian life. The Christian life was never intended to be something that we just, we show up on Sunday, we say, God, I'm going to give you my hour, and then I'm off the rest of the time on my own. The Christian life is just like a sport. And those who want to do well in any sport know that it requires hard work. It requires working when no one's looking, when the fans aren't cheering you on, it requires doing some drills that you're thinking, I'm doing this over and over, and it's getting boring. I don't see the reward right away. It's at the end of the season when the rewards come. And when you're playing a sport that you're committed to, you don't always enjoy going to practice. I mean, not everyone thinks, yes! another three hours of dribbling a basketball, wrestling with other guys, whatever it might be. But what keeps you going is the prize and the potential of the prize that lies ahead. We can learn from the athlete. 
faithfulness recognizes that what I'm living for is not the stuff of this world, but to hear my Lord and my God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And when that drives us, that makes it a little bit easier to say, I'll put on the shoes, I'll put on the hard work, I'll pray when no one's looking, I'll read the Bible when no one's looking, because I'm doing this for the glory of God. Learn from the soldier, I mean from the athlete. Have the correct guide. The Word of God needs to shape our thinking. Recognize that we're going for the prize at the end. Another challenge to faithfulness is impatience. In our culture, we're all about hacks and shortcuts. We just started watching the show called Hack My Home, and it's just unbelievable the creative stuff they come up with it. But we all think if we can have hacks in our lives, then we'll figure things out. But I've got bad news for you if you're a hacker. There is no hacking Christian maturity. It takes place over time. And God uses all kinds of things. He uses input from his word. He uses friends who challenge us. And he'll use suffering. There are no hacks. There are no shortcuts. We live in a culture, though, that is big on all that. So we need to learn from the farmer. We need to learn patience. It says this, starting in verse 6. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think about the farmer. Farmers don't say, you know, uh, I'm going to grow some corn this year. I'm going to walk along the field and chunk it in, and I'll pull out the cob as I walk past it. It's not like that. And it's not as an exact science as we'd like to think it is because it really depends on the natural conditions for exactly how and when the crop is going to turn up. There's no one size fits all in farming, just as it is with us. If you're a parent with multiple kids you know that there's no one-size-fits-all parenting. What worked with one child may not work with the other. And God knows that about us. And we learn patience. And the temptation is, it's like, well, why aren't they suffering like that? Why aren't they experiencing this? And God's message to us is, don't worry about them. I love you more than you can imagine. My love will never fail and I'm molding you, and I'm shaping you into the image of Christ. And that requires patience. You know, I think one thing we can pray for our teens, they had a fantastic week at Snowbird. And I'm so thankful for Jason and Mandy going down there with them. But, you know, you can have this high when you go to camp, and then you come back home into normal life, and it's like, ugh. Pray for our teens that the growth and the steps that they took there would carry on in regular life. We're church family together. We need to be doing this for one another. Be patient. You know, there's another place in Scripture where it gives us the illustration of the farmer. In James chapter 5, it says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. 
Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We need to be expectant. Jesus is coming back. We're going to spend the rest of forever with him. And there are some days that I'm thinking, Lord, this would be a very good day for you to come right now. God says, relax, I've got you. I know what I'm doing. But we are called to be patient. We're called to be patient with ourselves, and we're called to be patient with one another. The older I get, the more and more I think my favorite character trait of God is his patience. Because he has every right to have incinerated me long ago. He has every right to say, Seeger, I'm done with you. You keep messing up. It's so obvious that if you just took this step of faith, but God doesn't treat us like that. We need to be patient with one another. As parents, we need to be patient. Patience is an essential part of faithfulness. Faithfulness is critical to our mission to make disciples. Faithfulness faces some challenges. You've got distractions. You've got the wrong source of information going in there. uh, And impatience. So we have some examples on learn from these people. But we need a motivation for faithfulness. And the passage continues like this. And we'll march through this. Beginning in verse 8. Remember. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with change as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. If we've died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. This is our motivation for being faithful. And it's important for us to walk through this and pay attention to what the Word of God says here. After challenging Timothy to be faithful, the attention turns to Jesus. Remember Jesus. Because Jesus will not call us to do something that he hasn't already done. Remember Jesus. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Remember who he is. The Lord of the universe who defeated death. The offspring of David. Fulfilled prophecy. As preached in my gospel. For which I am suffering. Paul would have been the the uber-Christian of the day. And Paul is saying, look, I'm not immune to suffering. It happens to every follower of Christ. And in Paul's circumstances, he was bound in chains as a criminal. But I love his perspective. I, I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall when he wrote this, when he said, I'm chained like a criminal, but the word of God is not chained. The word of God is not bound. Therefore, because of this, because of Jesus and who he is, because of Jesus and what he's endured, and because of how powerful I know he is, therefore, I endure everything. I'll put up with anything for the sake of the elect. 
that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with glory. Paul says, my calling is to build people, help them to know, love, and follow Christ better. I'll do anything that that happens. They obtain salvation through the gospel. So Paul says, my life is committed to the proclamation of the gospel and helping people grow in it. And it isn't always going to be easy, but it's worth it all. That's what he's telling us right here. And then he recites what may have been a hymn or a poem in the early church. And this is what brings it home. This is a trustworthy saying. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. This principle is expounded upon in Romans 6. I'd encourage you to read Romans 6 because it's a whole idea of we died with Christ. We are identified with Christ. We died with Christ. Christ rose again. We will rise with Christ. The way I would put it simply is our story gets folded into Christ's story. What happened to Christ will happen to us. That gives us hope. We died with him. We're identified with Christ. We're going to rise with him. We'll spend the rest of forever with him. What happened to Jesus will happen to us. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. Reigning is in our future because it's in Christ's future. If we deny him, he will also deny us. This is something that an apostate does, not a true believer. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If we are faithless, if we mess up, this is not as strong a term as deny. It's a different term used in the Bible. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. What I'm so thankful for about this is that Christ's faithfulness does not depend on my faithfulness. Christ's attitude towards me is not dictated by me and the mistakes and the mess-ups that I do. He is faithful. And then emphasize that he cannot deny himself. Jesus will always be consistent with his character. He will never do anything out of order. So God is faithful. That is our motivator for living a faithful life. He always comes through. It's a contradiction in terms to think that God will let us down. The psalmist says this in Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. See, God is faithful, and he calls us to imitate him in faithfulness. Faithfulness is essential for our mission. So for all of us, what's our next step? What's the next step that you can take right now? The decision to say, I'm going to grow in faithfulness. Choose faithfulness over the distractions that the world 
has to offer. Maybe you've gotten distracted and you say, Lord, I need to focus in on you. You know, and as you make a decision, and as you say, Lord, I want to focus in more on you. I want to start each day in prayer. I want to read the Bible every day. Don't just make that decision by yourself. Talk to a brother or sister in Christ and get them to encourage you and stand with you. Because we want to have a culture here at City View where we never look down on someone who says, I'm down here, I want to get up there. We're all on this journey together. We are all stepping towards Jesus Christ. So maybe you've gotten distracted and you need to get back on track. Maybe you need to learn from the athlete. You've got all the wrong influences. You've got the wrong directions programmed into your GPS. You know lines from your favorite shows better than you know Scripture. Change that. Say, Lord, I want to get to know you. And don't just do it to say, I'm going to read the Bible because I'm going to read the Bible. See, we read the Bible so we get to know God better. Whenever you pick up the Bible, talk to the author first. God wants to know you. He wants to reveal himself to you. And so maybe you really aren't reading the Bible regularly. I'd be glad to help you out and even just give you some suggestions on how you can get started. Do it with other people. We have connect groups. We have discipleship groups. In the fall, we're going to be launching our life groups again. We need to encourage each other and challenge each other with the Word of God. Maybe you've gotten tired. Maybe you're saying, is it even worth it just following Christianity? Is it worth all the, you know, there's so much other stuff I could be doing around here. But we work for a prize that will last forever. And the Christian life is going to go like this. I hate it when you hear preachers which just say, trust God and boom, everything will go like that. That's not the case. Is it worth it? Absolutely it's worth it. Think of the farmer who day after day goes out to check in the crops. And there may be a day when he goes out and it's just like there's nothing there. But then the next day, to a surprise, he sees a sprout. It's like that with us. So maybe you've gotten weary and tired. God loves to come alongside those who are tired and weary. He says, you just watch. I'll give you energy and strength and joy that you didn't know you had. Because I'll give it to you. In the book of Galatians, it says this in chapter 6, verse 9. Don't grow weary of doing good. Because in due season, we'll reap if we don't give up. And that comes down to a choice of saying, okay, God, I don't get it right now. I don't understand it. I'm not even seeing it right now. But I choose to trust you. You've got it. Faithfulness is invisible in the moment. It's invisible in the moment, but it's evident in hindsight. Faithfulness is something that you see when you look back. Time is the acid test for faithfulness. But the scripture tells us, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And here's the thing. 
as City View, together, let's live our lives in such a way that we're encouraging one another to take that next step. You don't look down on anybody. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. We can all take another step towards Christ. Let's be faithful in encouraging one another. But let's be faithful in looking for the city yet to come. Because one day, we will face Jesus Christ. And what a joy it will be to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's a faithful life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and thank you that you never call us to more than you've already done. And Lord, when you give us a calling, a command, you will also empower us to do it. Lord, I pray that as a church family, we will be faithful to you, we would be faithful to your calling, and we would be faithful to one another. Lord, use us to encourage one another and challenge one another. Lord, I thank you that we will never be able to out-faithful you. You always deliver in your promises. Thank you for sending us a Savior, the Lord Jesus. I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't yet know him, that today would be the day they place their faith in Jesus. Lord, for all of us, let us take another step towards you. You know what we need. Help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.